You can open in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, which is where we're going to be studying this morning. Whenever I begin to study a book of the Bible, I try and see the overall context of the book because when I'm teaching an individual verse, I never want to take something out of context. We've all heard verses that were ripped from their original meaning and made to mean something that's not accurate, and I never want to misrepresent the Word of God. So as I was studying this week in the book of Colossians, I was reminding myself of the overall purpose of the book. And as I did that and began to look a little bit more closely at the text, I realized that while there are a lot of individual applications of the text, really the overall purpose of the words are to show us how we are to live in the body of Christ. And it sort of made me think about the local church, and particularly the local church that we are a part of, which is Lakeside. And a thought kept going through my mind as I was thinking about it. And so I'm going to ask a question, which will be asked in multiple ways. It's really a series of questions, but it's all coming back to the same basic point. And it's this. How significant is it to your life that you're a member of this church? What does your membership at Lakeside mean to you? What value does this have in your life? I've been a member here since 2007 when I was blessed to come on staff. That's a little over 15 years, and there are many here who have been members for decades. There are faithful few that were here even prior to Pastor Steve becoming the pastor teacher in 1981. And yet, we've had a lot of new people join the church, so some may only recently have joined and become members, and some may be looking forward to the next membership class, which will be starting soon. I'm thankful for this church, and I'm thankful for all of its members, but it brings back the question, what value do you place on the fact that you are a part of this fellowship? How significant is it to your life? In some respects, it's harder to answer that question than it is for other things. There are a lot of clubs where you pay an admission fee to be a part of it, like a country club. It's easy to say what the value is. They tell you what the value is when you pay the money. That's even the case with simple memberships like AAA or Costco or Sam's Club. There's a tangible value to it, but you can't put a money value on Lakeside because we don't charge you anything to be here. Your membership was free. You don't have to pay to stay a member. But there is a value here. And this perhaps is what caused me to start thinking more about the question that I presented. There's a value that is significant and the value is determined by God. I don't know if you've thought about this, but God cared so much about your ability to become a member at Lakeside that he sent his son to die to purchase your salvation. God values your membership here because he sent his son to die in the place of sinners so that you could be a part of his family. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. 
Similarly, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 7 describe our salvation this way. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. When we start to get a glimpse of how God views his church, the question that I presented becomes a little bit more significant. God views your membership in this local body as something of incredible value, so much so that he sent his son to die so that you would have a place in his family. He wants through each one of us, because of our membership here, to put on display his grace and kindness shown to us in Christ Jesus. He's made you a part of this body of saints so that you will be a testimony to a lost and dying world of his love and goodness and mercy. So God puts a great value on the fact that you're a part of his family. But how valuable is this membership to you? Do you take this membership for granted? As though it's just something that you do on Sundays? Or are you working hard to honor the commitment you made when you joined Lakeside? A commitment that God expects each one of us to honor. I've become convinced more and more that this should be the most valued membership in your life, that you're a part of the body of Christ as represented by this local body of believers here at Lakeside. If there's any other membership, if there's any other club that's more valuable to you than being a part of the body of Christ, you need to ask God to forgive you because your heart's out of focus. But with that being said, we can look at how much you value the membership by whether you're doing what God calls you to do to be your part of the body of Christ. He's given us, each one of us roles to do. How are you doing? Are you valuing this membership like God values it as evidenced by how you live your life? I think I can help you answer this from Scripture because the more I studied our text this morning, which is in Colossians chapter 3, it's the last three verses of our morning Scripture reading, verses 15 to 17, I realized that this is not just instruction for us individually. This is instruction about how we relate to each other in the body of Christ. Certainly, by going through the things we're going to study today, you can evaluate your own spiritual health, how you're doing individually. But beyond that, you can look at these markers and you can see whether you're a healthy member of Lakeside. Before we jump into the scripture, I want to provide a little bit of a context. I've taught many times through Colossians, including the first 14 verses of our scripture reading this morning, but it's always important to remember before we jump into a few verses where they fit in context. The book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul, and he was writing to a church that he had never visited. Paul was imprisoned in Rome at the time of the writing of the letter, and Colossae was a city that really was insignificant by any geopolitical standpoint. Many have said it's the least significant city to which a letter was addressed in the New Testament. But 
It had a faithful pastor, perhaps the planter of the church, named Epaphras. And he was a faithful teacher of the word, but he cared about the sheep and he knew that there was a danger lurking. By and large, the church in Colossae was doing well. They were strong and growing, but there was a danger in the form of false teachers who were trying to lead the believers astray. So Epaphras traveled from Colossae to Rome, which was a great distance, and talked to the Apostle Paul, and to assist the local church, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. And certainly he deals with great doctrinal truths about Jesus to confront error. He warns the believers, particularly in chapter 2, about not being deceived, not being taken captive by worldly wisdom. And then as we come into chapter 3, he really starts laying out practically what it is to live the Christian life. Another way of stating it is how do you live the Christian life, but also how do you live the Christian life amongst other believers? Because that was his ultimate goal. He knew the church was doing well. He wanted the church to continue to do well, and he knew for the church to do well, the individual members had to be healthy. So I read the entirety of chapter 3 up to the point of our scripture so that you'd have a context. But the Apostle Paul began with telling them about how they think in verses 1 to 4. They needed to set their mind on things above, not just on earthly things. Verses 5 to 9, he focused on them putting off immorality and fleshly sins, such as anger and sinful speech of various types. Verse 10 and 11, he was encouraging them to live out their new life in Christ. They put off sin, they put on their righteousness. And in verses 12 to 14, he emphasized the necessity of them living together with other believers in humility and kindness and love, having great value in the unity of the body of Christ, preserving it in part by being willing to forgive those who sinned against them with the reminder that you've been forgiven by Christ, so you should forgive others. And all those things are necessary, they're required, these aren't suggestions, these are things that we must do. And then we come to verses 15 to 17 where the apostle really summarizes all of this. He really summarizes the overarching responsibilities and duties we have as members of the body of Christ. And so I'm going to go through these verses and we're going to ask a few questions to see how you're doing. We'll be evaluating the health of your church membership by looking and seeing where do you stand in relation to the standards that God is commanding. So follow along with me as I read verses 15 through 17 again, which is where we'll be studying today. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Since the health of Lakeside, like any other church, is going to be based on the health of our individual members, I just encourage you as we go through this to take seriously this evaluation of the health of your church membership. I'm going to ask a series of five questions that go to the issue. And the first question is this. Is your life characterized by peace? Is your life characterized by peace? Paul says this in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. 
This is an imperative command. This you must do. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We're supposed to exert energy towards this, to exert effort, to make sure that this is the reality of our life. And when we talk about the peace of Christ, it really is a broad term. We have to understand why we have peace. And the beginning is foundational. We sing about it. We talk about it. It's that we have peace with God because Jesus died in our place. Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures say we weren't indifferent to God. We were his enemies. Sinners unable to approach a holy God. We sang holy, holy, holy. And that is who God is. And we are sinners who deserve his wrath. And yet God reached down and gave us peace with him because he loves us. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We have peace with God that we could never earn. It was a free gift of God because of his love for sinners like us. That's certainly part of the peace of Christ, but it goes beyond that. We live in a turbulent, sin-filled world. We're buffeted every day, and it seems like the world is spiraling more and more out of control, and yet in the midst of this, we can still have peace in our hearts. Jesus said this in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. John 16, 33, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. As believers, we don't need to live in a state of constant worry and panic. Is the world bad? Yes. Is the world getting worse? Yes. But Jesus wins. And we're on his team. We win. Nothing can change that. John chapter 10, verses 27 to 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. We are safe in God's loving care no matter what and nothing can separate us from his love. So we don't have to live in a state of worry and fear and panic and anxiety. Matthew 6, 31 to 34, Jesus said, Do not worry then saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
Of all people in the world, we should be people characterized by peace. The peace of Christ must rule in our hearts. I read a great quote summarizing the peace. He says, This peace is a condition of rest and contentment in the hearts of those who know that their Redeemer lives. It is the conviction that the sins of the past have been forgiven, that the present is being overruled for good, and that the future cannot bring about separation between Christ and his own. Again, we're not just supposed to know that this peace exists. It's supposed to be our pleasant reality. We're supposed to have this peace rule in our hearts. It's supposed to govern our attitudes and our thinking. It's supposed to guide our decision making. We should never be those who are disrupting the peace. We should be motivated by a desire to live at peace because we've been given peace. And particularly in the body of Christ, we have to have peace with each other. In fact, God so wants us to have this peace that he's told us in his word how to get that peace if we find ourselves slipping into anxiety. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, very familiar verses, but they're very true. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And God doesn't command us to reach for something that we don't have the ability to obtain. In fact, we have the Spirit of God indwelling us and one of the fruits of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5.22, is peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And we go from there. So as believers, we should be characterized by peace. It should reside in our hearts. We should have an awareness not just that we have peace with God, but we have peace because of the promises of God even in the midst of chaos. And yet, in the context of the verse, this isn't isolated to us going and living in our own little corner of the world by ourselves. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were indeed called in one body. He's talking about the body of believers, the body of Christ, the local fellowship like Lakeside. And he's saying that peace should characterize our lives both personally but also in our interactions with other Christians. He's reminding us of the value and responsibility of our membership in God's family to be peacemakers. God called us into the church. You were called into one body. God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light and called you to be a part of a fellowship of believers like Lakeside. And each of us has a part to play. We're not just individual free agents doing our own thing. We're all to be working together for the greater good. Not just the pastors, not just the Sunday school teachers, not just the formal heads of ministries, but every single one of us. That's why you're here listening to this message. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 I'll read this more than once today. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. One of your responsibilities is to build up the body of Christ here at Lakeside. 
Continuing on in Ephesians 4, going down to verse 15, he says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all respects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. In other words, every single one of us, regardless of our formal title, just by being a part of the body of Christ, we have a role to play in the building up of this place for God's glory. We're supposed to be at peace. We're supposed to be characterized by peace in how we live and how we think and how we interact with others. Certainly thankfulness is a part of it and I'll come back to that because I've made thankfulness its own point. But let me help you apply this to your lives and just ask directly, are you at peace? Do you have peace in your heart believing and trusting in the promises of God or is this world putting you through the ringer such that you're constantly worried and constantly panicked? If you're constantly tossed to and fro, if you're constantly in a state of agitation, that's not healthy either for you or for the body of Christ here at Lakeside. You can't be a contributing member of the body of Christ if you don't strive for and obtain peace to rule in your hearts. And I'll take it a step further because he's dealing with our interactions in the body. Do you have peace with other believers at Lakeside? It's not okay to be at odds with other saints. We had read this in the Bible reading, but in Colossians 3, 12, and 13, verses just preceding our text this morning, Paul said this, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. If you're at odds with another believer and and those things happened, but you can't be content with that. If there's hostility and tension between you and another believer in the body of Christ, don't let it continue. Do something about it today. Reconcile. Approach them and seek peace. If you need to ask forgiveness, ask forgiveness. If you need to give forgiveness, give it. If you're not contributing to the peace of the body at Lakeside, if you're not characterized by peace, you don't have a healthy membership. Lakeside's the fourth church that Debbie and I have been members of since I was saved. And at every church, there have been believers who are a good example of this. And at every church, there are believers who are constantly in a state of panic about life or politics or what's going on in the culture. The sky is always falling. And at every church I've been a part of, there have been believers who seem to enjoy stirring the pot and causing agitation. They saw no problem with gossip and dissension and holding grudges. That can't be. Be honest with yourself this morning. If peace is elusive, cry out to God for that peace. If it doesn't rule in your heart, ask God to do something about it today for the good of your own spiritual well-being and also for the good of Lakeside. There's a second question for evaluating the health of your church membership. Not only must your life be characterized peace, the second question is this, is the word of God your daily guide? 
Is the word of God your daily guide? And this question has more depth to it than just a yes, it is. Because what you say about your life and how you live your life have to line up. Paul says at the beginning of verse 16, it's another imperative command that's straightforward. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. It's a personal responsibility for each one of us that has implications for the overall health of the body of Christ here at Lakeside. I believe the best understanding of the word of Christ is all of the teaching of Scripture, not just those particular sayings by Jesus, but all of God's word. He's saying that Jesus has given us his word, Jesus who is the word, And we must let it take up residence in us so that it permeates our lives and guides everything that we do. Not just a little bit, but richly, abundantly. This must be our daily life. It's interesting because the scripture makes it clear we're supposed to abide in Christ. That's part of how we live out our walk. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And as we have to abide in Christ, we can't do anything apart from him. We also can't do anything apart from his word because his word is how he communicates his will to us today. Now, in one sense, this isn't very complicated and if I asked you do you believe in Jesus and his word you'd say well yes I do the challenge is are you truly living it out every day is the word truly dwelling within you such that it controls your every move this isn't complicated but it's challenging it's challenging in part because the world around us is constantly telling us that the Bible's not true Satan's original attack in Genesis chapter 3, did God really say? And then distorts it and twists it. That's never stopped. So we have a challenge because the world at large, sadly, many churches have fallen for this, don't treat the scripture as true. But I don't think that's the hardest challenge for us here at Lakeside because we believe, and you wouldn't be here if you didn't believe, that the Bible is true. The challenge for us is that we far too often rely on a daily basis, not on what the Word says, but on how we feel and what our emotions dictate. We think our feelings and emotions and ideas are real and forget what the Bible says about trusting in our own devices. Familiar verses that I'll read that bear on this issue, but you have to apply those verses and really believe what they're saying. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And yet countless times we can trust our heart if we're not careful rather than the word of God. Proverbs 3, 5 and 7, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Again, this is a great danger in the church today. Churches are changing their doctrine not because the word of God has changed but because people's feelings have changed and they want people to feel comfortable. 
in countless times in my Christian life at every church I've been a part of, I've seen believers come to a crossroads where they have a choice to make. The Word of God says this is the only option for them. The Word of God is clear, but they evaluate it and they understand if I do that, it's going to bring pain. It's going to hurt. In fact, it's not even going to bring about the outcome that I want. And rather than obey the Word of God, they'll say something along the lines of, well, I know God wants me to be happy, and they'll disobey. Can I assure you that's a distorted view of happiness? You'll never be happy when you're in rebellion against God and His Word. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You have to know his commandments to keep them. You have to be a student of the word. Never choose yourself and your feelings and emotions over the clear, revealed will of God in his word. And his word is sufficient for everything he calls us to do, including every duty you have as a member at Lakeside. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Again, these are familiar scriptures, but they're scriptures that we have to internalize and apply. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. If God calls you to do something, including the things in the text today, he'll equip you to do it through his word. And despite the trend in many churches to think that, well, we've got to add something to the Bible because God didn't really address everything, we have the promise of God's Word that for your life, it's got everything you need right here. Second Peter 1, 3, and 4, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. God has given us all we need is his word. You have to make sure that the word richly dwells within you. So let me ask you, do you live by the word? Not just paying it lip service, but when the rubber meets the road, you go to the word first. Is it your first and final authority when you face a challenging crossroads? Are you content with what the word of God says or do you look elsewhere for something that contradicts it that lets you do what you want to do anyway? You've got to read it. You've got to study it. You've got to internalize it. And I have to tell you, even if you seek counsel from others, which isn't always bad, seeking counsel from wise, mature believers is good, but evaluate everything they say in light of the Scriptures. Of all the things I'm going to talk about today, this is where you have a huge head start by going to Lakeside. Because by being a part of Lakeside, you sit under the teaching of Pastor Steve, who's one of the finest Bible teachers I've ever heard in my life. You're given a veritable banquet every Sunday of God's Word such that we have no excuse. Beyond that, this church has gifted many men and women with the ability to teach the Word of God in a variety of other settings. Lakeside is by far the smallest church Debbie and I have been a part of. And I remember when I first came here being stunned at how many gifted men the Lord had brought to this one little church that could accurately handle the word of truth. At Lakeside, you have a huge advantage because men 
And if you're a part of the ladies' Bible study, women are teaching you the truth. But you've got to let it richly dwell within you. You've got to internalize it and apply it. Don't ever be content to be a professional attender at Lakeside where you come and you listen to Pastor Steve and you enjoy it and then you go and you never participate in applying it. James 1.22 is always a prudent warning, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. And this really leads to our third question because it's connected to the word of Christ richly dwelling in us. And the third question is this. Do you interact purposefully with other members? Do you interact purposefully with other members? And I'll develop this for a moment, but you're going to see it in the text and you'll understand, I think, quickly what I'm talking about. But this is where I think this hits close to home. Everything I've put in this sermon, including the stuff that I haven't said yet, I think is important. I think it matters. But what we're about to cover is really a visible test of everything else. Because if you're not doing this, then the other stuff is just lip service on your part. And again, this is intimately connected to our willingness to have the word dwelling in us. I'm going to read all of 16 and dive into this point. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And there are two vital aspects of corporate worship that are in place here. Two different aspects of what we're supposed to be doing as a part of this fellowship, as a part of your membership. The first is relatively simple. He says, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. This is the starting point. Wisdom is, of course, godly wisdom, which is really just the practical application of the word to the challenges of life. And he says, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And in this context, Paul is not giving direction for how the pastor is supposed to pastor the church. He's talking to every single member of the church, and he's saying every single one of us, whether you have an official title or role or not, you're supposed to be doing this. Part of the overflow of the word of Christ richly dwelling in you is that you, in turn, can teach and admonish others. Every believer has a role in this. But it requires you to interact with other members of the fellowship. You may not know that much about the Bible and you would say, well, I don't think I could ever teach somebody something. You can teach with your life by being obedient, but also, you'd be surprised. There's always somebody that knows less than you. Tell them what you know. By the same token, and it's been in my own experience, people may need more than you and may know more than you about the Bible and yet you can still teach them by just reminding them of a simple truth that perhaps got away from them. Over the years, more than once, people have come up to me and shared with me a scripture to encourage me or at times to question me. And that's always been a blessing. But again, this requires you to be interacting with other believers. Yes, there's times when you may have to admonish someone from the word. There are times when you're just going to be teaching in daily life, but the reality is you have to be a part of each other's lives. 
Paul gave a similar direction to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. He said this, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. All of these things require effort. It requires you to interact with other believers. You have to talk with them. You have to get to know them. The two or three minutes that we have after announcements to shake hands isn't enough for you to accomplish this task. So you have to ask yourself, are you interacting with other believers? Are you becoming a part of their lives? You can do that through Sunday school classes. You can do that by attending fellowships. You can do this by going to Bible studies. You can do this by inviting people out to lunch just to get to know them. But if you simply show up to hear Pastor Steve and listen to the music and then you go home and you don't interact with any other members from Lakeside, you're squandering your membership. In fact, you're showing that you don't really value your membership at Lakeside because the purpose of your membership, the person of you being here is to be able to benefit and build up the body of Christ, which implies that you care about those around you. Again, there are seasons in life at times where people can't show up for various reasons. Years ago when Debbie was going through cancer and she had chemotherapy, there were a few months where we couldn't attend church because her immune system was compromised. I'm not talking about that. Of course, God understands But if you're capable of being here, then you've got to make it your priority to be a part of the lives of the other believers here at Lakeside. There's no way you can, with wisdom, teach and admonish one another if everyone around you is a stranger to you. But that leads to the second part of this same issue of purposefully interacting with others. It's this, you've got to be at church. If you can physically be here, you need to be here. Live stream is a great blessing, particularly for many of our homebound, but it's not a substitute for regular corporate attendance at church. And that's shown by the part of the verse that's next. It says, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The time that we spend at the beginning of the service singing is not just a filler to fill up the time. It's a command of God. This is what we're supposed to do. We sing psalms that are set to music. Hymns and spiritual songs really are just any Christian worship that takes the biblical truths, puts them to music, and then we sing them back to the Lord with thankfulness. We're singing from our hearts that we believe it and we're praising God because of it. One of the things I love every Sunday is our worship at Lakeside. God gave our church a gift and our worship pastor Joel. He brings together theologically sound music that speaks of profound truths from God's Word. And we've been gifted with musicians like this morning that can play instruments and can sing, and it's wonderful. But this goes beyond those who are talented musicians and those who are singing in the choir. It applies to every one of us. Do you sing when we do this, or do you just watch? I realize not everyone has a voice like Joel or Nicole. I've said this more than once. If I had a voice like Joel, I would sing my sermons. I think it'd be more entertaining. (laughs) But I don't have a voice like Joel, so you hear me go this way. But God commands you to sing with our fellow believers, not because we're performers, but because we're God's children. You can't do this living on an island. That's why you have to be here on Sundays. You have to be a part of the body of Christ so that we can lift our voices together. 
It's not just a suggestion. This is a command of God over and over. Psalm 95, 1 and 2 says, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Again, this is for all of us. Don't be self-conscious. Don't let your pride get in the way. Sing out. Be purposeful. Be a part of the worship. But to be purposeful in interacting with other members, you have to be a part of their lives. You have to be a part of the Sunday morning fellowship. The scripture commands it. But it has to go beyond that and you have to make it your intent purpose to get to know other believers so that at the appropriate time, they can teach and admonish you and you can reciprocate when it's a time of need. Leads to a fourth question in evaluating the health of your church membership. We say our lives must be characterized by peace. It's the word of God, your daily guide. Do you interact purposefully with other members? The fourth question is this. Does your life model Jesus in everything? Does your life model Jesus in everything? Verse 17, it's very simple, but it's very comprehensive. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Really, this is a summary catch-all of the Christian life, but it has direct application to how you live amongst other believers. Whatever you do in word or deed is just as broad as it sounds. If you're awake, this applies. Every word that comes out of your mouth, every action that you take, every decision you make, he says, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus That doesn't mean we walk around chanting his name. It means that we remember that we are ambassadors for Jesus everywhere at all times. Not just on Sunday when we're gathered here, as important as this is, but during the week in our outside relationships. Really, this is another way of saying what Peter says about how we're to live our lives. 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16. But like the Holy One who called you, Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written you shall be holy for I am holy. Understand the health of the body of Christ at Lakeside is impacted by your membership and how well you live out these truths. We can't be healthy as a church. We can't be building one another up if we're not individually striving to follow Jesus in every word and deed. And I realize we struggle. It's hard for us. I think that's why Paul, at the very beginning of the letter, said to the Colossian believers, here's how I'm praying for you. Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 9 and the first part of verse 10. But this is how Paul was praying for the Colossians. And I would say this, if you realize that you're not living for Jesus and everything, pray this prayer for yourself. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, meaning their salvation, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. You've got to live this way in your workplace. You've got to live this way in your home life. 
You've got to live this way with your family events. You've got to live this way when you're out with friends socializing. You've got to live this way when you're at a sporting event and your team just lost a close game. There's no time when you're not an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We never clock out. There have been times when I've been out and I've been wearing a lakeside shirt and I caught myself thinking, oh, I'm wearing a lakeside shirt. I better be mindful. That's wrong thinking. Because I'm wearing Jesus every day. We should be living in such a way, we should take so seriously our membership here that we're living in such a way that if someone said, how do I follow Jesus? We wouldn't point them to Pastor Steve or to the other elders or to the Sunday school leaders. We would say what Paul says to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. It matters not just for your testimony, it matters for your church. That brings me to a final point that I'll wrap up with. For evaluating the health of your church membership, are you thankful to God always? Are you thankful to God always? There's been a phrase in every one of these verses that deals with thanksgiving. At the end of verse 15, it says, and be thankful the end of verse 16, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And the, the end of verse 17, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Of all people, believers should be grateful and thankful, and that should be the expression of your heart in everything. We can be thankful for our salvation. We can be thankful for our families. We can be thankful for our employment. We can be thankful for the opportunities we have to serve. We can be thankful for the daily provision that God's given us. We can be thankful for the trials that come our way for our maturity. Thankful for the future in heaven with Jesus. Of all people, we should be thankful. This world is full of ungrateful people. It's a characteristic of unbelief. That shouldn't permeate our lives. First Chronicles 16.34 Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Psalm 30, verse 4 Sing praise to the Lord, you His godly ones, and give thanks to His holy name. Paul said to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 and 18 Rejoice always, pray without season, in everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So let me ask, is being thankful easy for you? Do you have a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving? Or are you someone who continually grumbles and complains? It matters to your membership here at Lakeside. Can I tell you what you already know? Lakeside's not perfect. We try hard, but we don't do everything well. Your pastors aren't perfect. We try hard, but we make mistakes. Your fellow members who are sitting around you, they're not perfect. They're going to let you down. Yet in all of this, we have to keep our eye on the big picture. And even in those times of disappointments, we should be those who still give thanks to God, singing with thanksgiving. We should be characterized by grateful, thankful hearts, not resentful, bitter hearts.
Again, one of the characteristics from Scripture, I'm not going to read the Scriptures, but you can look in Romans 1.21, you can look in 2 Timothy 3.2. A characteristic of unbelief is lack of gratitude. Don't be that way. There are many people around here, I first heard this in California, but you'll ask them, how are you doing? And they'll say, better than I deserve. And that's true, and that in and of itself is enough reason to live with thankfulness in your hearts. I pray that this resonates with you. And I pray you can see the connection with all of these things. The health of Lakeside rests on the health of each individual member. I want each one of us to have the desire to please the Lord in everything, following His will and His word. Because as we live in obedience together, as we evidence the love of Christ to one another, it's a powerful witness to a lost and dying world. I pray that you value your membership at Lakeside. And I pray that you show this by living out the Lord's commands for your life. Please join me in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for each member here. I thank you for bringing me here. And Lord, we understand that the only way we can be a part of the body of Christ is because you loved us enough to send your son to die for sinners like us. We thank you, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray, Lord that we will be characterized by peace, that your word will permeate our lives and our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we will remember each and every day, no matter where we are, that we are your ambassadors. We walk in the name of our Savior. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a thankful people and a thankful church. And Lord, I know there may be some who are here hearing my voice that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The things that I've read from your word, the things that we've been learning are not possible for them, Lord. So for them, I pray that they would see that they are sinners before a holy God. And I pray that they would turn to Jesus, whose death on the cross is the only way to have peace with you. Lord, we love you. And we pray that you'll help us by your spirit live out the truths of your word. May you be glorified in our lives. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.